This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us here on the jumping episode of Horses in the Morning. We're sorry we didn't get to you live this morning, and uh, we're coming out in the feed tonight. We were supposed to, uh, on Sunday, have an interview with a certain somebody, and that got postponed till today in the afternoon, so we missed our morning, is what happened. But I have Emily here, host of the jumping episode. Hi, I'm Emily. here. I'm here. We did, but it was good that we had the second run at it, because we were all just generally too excited the first yeah. time. <laughs> I was taking photos, selfies All with right. horses. We're, we have an interview for you coming up, an exclusive interview with McLean Ward. I think it's his first audio interview since he won a question of That's the year right. last year for the yep. USCF or the US, whatever they call it now. Um, so we are sitting in the car, in the rental car in Wellington, <laughs> at the parking lot of the Dunkin' Donuts as we record this, having just come back from McLean's house. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute, his farm. And we actually did the interview in the in the lunchroom? sort of could be a Out lunch room. Barn? I yeah. mean, everybody has a lunch room, exactly, <laughs> and a lot of snacks. Yeah. What a beautiful farm! It's so yeah. generous, you know, to let us stay and. And we actually got to watch horse school. Yeah, I mean, that was, was like fun. the highlight of my week. It, it was, was awesome. fun for you. you oh, were I know. I was, I was like, can we just watch the horses <laughs> big, go around in circles? Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yep, yep. Yeah. Very cool. That was awesome. You guys are going to like it. It's one of the things we noticed of all the horses that were there that were either just getting done, being ridden, or you even commented on, you ride these every day. There's some big horses They're in that huge, barn. Huh? <laughs> that yeah. one had to be approaching 18 inches. Oh, and bigger, I bet. Yeah. It had to be. Yeah, big. It was a big but horse. Light Boned, you yeah. know, athletic, but yeah, a lot of those horses, they're monster horses now that jump those big 160 tracks. Those are, and you don't realize it until you get up there, yeah, and you're like, wow, that's like a totally different class of horse. Yeah, it's like nothing horse. in my barn, like not to be mistaken, you know, <laughs> this is somebody different. So, Very cool. And when we stopped by the other day, uh, when we had to postpone because he got tied up at the show, you got to meet. I did. I met H.H. Azor, who's Yay. like one of my like fan and horses of, course, of all time. And of course, really big horse right now. Is, yeah, yeah, top horse. And just, it was so cool to see. Emily might have geeked out a little bit and went into teenage girl mode. That's what somebody <laughs> said. I showed them the photo and they're like, wow, you look like a teenager. Like, I was so excited. She like, was. This is a celebrity. She was actually horse. kind of glad McLean wasn't there. I know. Time, I was like, to, we got to regroup here. here. Take, take my camera. Take a picture. Quick. I wasn't as soon as I saw her in the stall. I already had my phone coming out of my pocket. I was like, I have no shame. And then she looked around. You can't stop me McLean's now. McLean's lovely wife was there, and his child was there, and yep. she just walked out of the barn. She's like, take a picture. Quick. Get it done. Come on. This is once in a lifetime. I got it. I have that photo. So we have a very fun interview for you today with McLean Ward. We're not going to hold you up any longer. That's the whole show, actually, will be this interview. So this will be the only part of the show. It'll end after the McLean interview. And uh, don't forget, you can listen to all of our shows on Horse Radio Network on our app. Just search iOS or Android for Horse Radio Network. We have 17 shows free and easy to listen to. Horses in the Morning is here five days a week at 9 a.m. Eastern every day. And Emily does the jumping episode once a month, which is sponsored by S Equestrian. Yep, check us out online at sequestrianco.com and enjoy our interview with McLean. We all know McLean Ward. He is one of the top five jumping riders in the world, one of the leading riders here in the United States. He has been to three Olympic Games with two team gold medals. He also has been to three World Equestrian Games. And... We have him coming up on the show right now. Well, McLean, thank you for joining us today on the Equestrian Legends show. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. And uh, for putting us up here in your, at your beautiful farm well, in Wellington. Okay. Accommodations are okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know, really. What a treat. So on the Equestrian Legends show, we really start as a kid. Uh, you were born in New York. Do you, do you remember your first rides as a kid, or were you just... Uh, like I was, months old. Yeah, I was very lucky. I mean, uh, my father was a top Grand Prix rider, and uh, my mother was also a professional, was an amateur and then professional for many years. So uh, I certainly was born into it. Um, 
you know, I remember I had two. My first ponies were two uh, bla- uh, black ponies called Peter Pan one and two. They were <laughs> they were twins, and one was blind and followed the other one, so you couldn't separate them. Um, <laughs> And uh, probably had a little bit of a slow start uh, and then, you know, started to do the ponies. And as I've said uh, recently, I was a terrible pony rider. It didn't look like the future was very bright. I saw that on your acceptance speech. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I was terrible. And, and there was a cute story about Artie Hawkins in, in that, uh, you know, being told not to, to, to tell my father not to push me too hard. Um, but anyway, um, you know, my father was traveling the world and competing and, and my parents were divorced when I was quite young. And, you know, I started going to his farm to spend time with him. And obviously through riding, uh, pursuing riding, you know, our relationship was, was very close. Um, and luckily when I started on the horses and started to do the equitation and the jumpers, uh, things started to get better pretty quickly. Um, and then it just seemed like, uh, the obvious choice forward. Uh, it was a great way to live your life. It was better than working for a living. Um, I didn't know how to do anything else. Um, I mean, it is work, though. It is work, but it's it's work. But it's 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 you know it's the best kind. It's what you love. It's your passion. And yeah, I mean, there are certainly hard days, and there are certainly you know a lot of miles logged and a lot of uphill battles uh, along the way as as a child and teenager, and then then as a young adult and professional. Um, But uh, it's a very rewarding life. You know, it's different every day. You're you're interacting with another living creature um, who really. Uh, thinks and, and looks at the world very differently than we do. And, um, you know, it's always interesting. Uh, and there's a huge competitive side to it as well. So uh, it's, it's a very rewarding life, challenging, absolutely, at times. Um, but, uh, you know, I go, I go to bed some nights tired, but always wake up in the morning looking forward to what, what the day has to bring. So let's, let's go back again. Uh, Carol, one of our listeners, had a question. Do you remember which horse was yours that was your first horse that you could call your own? Uh, probably it was a pony, uh, and it was called Dinah Dan. Um, and it was a, it was a gift from Jack Trainer, uh, a trainer out of, of Pennsylvania, uh, to, to myself and my parents. And he had been very successful. I think he was probably a uh, hundred by the time I got him. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was, for a pony. exactly. He was just, he was just quieting <laughs> was down. Prime. Exactly. He was just quieting down. And, uh, you know, I think I, practiced you know jim Conn, the pony club games in the indoor ring on him i showed him i think i bandaged his legs together and yes he <laughs> he would probably be the the first you know significant horse in my life you, you talked about you know the the hard time you had was there a time as a kid when you realized okay i'm st- when the light bulb went on i'm starting to get this now yeah, I, I I'm remember, not getting bucked off absolutely, or turned off so yeah, much anymore. You know, I, I started to ride the jumpers with my father, and I, I remember very clearly one day, I remember I started to do, you know, what we would call the, you know, schooling jumpers, you know, less than a meter, uh, local shows, Old Salem in particular, and it was going all right. And then one weekend in a fall, I think I was maybe 13, uh, I came, he was at my father's, you know, riding, and, and uh, I remember he, he put a, a fence very big. Uh, probably it was a five foot vertical at the time. And he said, come down. He wanted to see, you know, if I, you know, really had some, some, some bravery, so to speak, to push a little bit. And it went well. And I got over the fence somehow. And, and I, I kind of think it went from there. He started to think maybe I had something that was worth, um, pushing a little bit and, and, you know, not intimidating me. And, uh, uh, you know, it was a process. There was a lot of people who contributed. It doesn't happen overnight, but, uh, uh, like I said, I also didn't, I wasn't very good at school, so I needed to find a way to make a living eventually. <laughs> so, so college was never in there? No, I mean, I wasn't the best student. I was good at things I was interested in, and if I liked it, I... Like uh, most of us, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Story of my life. Absolutely. No, history I enjoyed, so I did well at that, or English, you know, but uh, uh, mathematics was never my strong suit. So uh, uh, I was going to have to find a, a more eclectic way to make a living. But now, at 14, you won the United States Equestrian Federation Show Jumping Derby, as well as the uh, with the medal finals, too, at that We time. did. We had a great year. Uh, we won, uh, we won the, the Talent Derby, which was a very big event in that day at the Hampton Classic, uh, very pr- prestigious for, for you know, anybody under the age of 25, and won it on a horse that my father had bought in Calgary that summer and brought home. Uh, it was a six-year-old, and probably we didn't know any better. Uh, Lee and I were at the show alone. <laughs> we're still working together 30 years later. And uh, we won that and then went on that year with uh, Paul Valier's uh, tutelage uh, to win the USCT medal finals. And, uh, you know, that's when people obviously started to take notice and, and it was becoming more serious at that point. And, and you know, certainly um, there was a lot to be learned still, but, but uh, we were headed down the road. Was there ever a point where there, you thought about eventing or dressage straight up or hunters or was it always jumping? 
Yeah, no, I don't think so. (laughs) You're dreaming about hunters, I can feel Uh, we're all dreaming. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, uh, as I've said recently, you know, my my father gave me a great gift in instilling in me that, uh, you know, the way forward that he saw the sport going was, you know, the Olympic movement and and championship type competition for for show jumping. Um, So I think that... Uh, whether I realized realized it or not, I was pointed in that direction, and uh, that was kind of the vision I had. And and so probably uh, you know certainly hunters wasn't in the wasn't in the the view. And uh, eventing, I don't think I was brave enough. I was just actually uh, here before you came, schooling a horse for Marilyn Little, and and I always tell her she's much tougher than me. Um, <laughs> and I probably didn't have the patience for dressage. So show jumping was the way forward. <laughs> it was the only way. Yeah, absolutely. Never considered exactly. Yep, it is that. I'm with you, for sure, for sure. So I have a listener question here, and uh, we have to get to this because the listeners would be mad Absolutely. if we did. Absolutely, their questions that, are the best. And that's... Uh, yeah, we had kind of a good group pulled together. Yeah. How did uh, how did Sapphire come about? And we got to talk about Sapphire or I'll be kicked out of here. Like, yeah, yes, I mean, she, she is, uh, she's a huge part of this story and part of our life. Um, you know, like a lot of these stories with these great horses, you know, things are meant to be. And uh, when you look back at all of the the situations that that made it come to fruition um it's pretty amazing sometimes uh sapphire was a was a mare that was bought by my father's partner francois Matti as a five coming six-year-old and uh was originally tried by mark leone um and he loved her uh he he was the first person uh, to really recognize and point out to me what a talent this horse was um, and, and he couldn't unfortunately get the funds together to buy her um, and then he told his brother Peter about the mare and Peter went and tried the mare and for one reason or another didn't purchase her and Mark was very upset with him and we were very dear friends Mark and I are very dear friends and he was he was uh, he was grumbling to me about how frustrated he was with his brother that he didn't buy the horse and finally after a couple of weeks I said you, you think this horse is very good and he said yeah I really do and uh, I said, okay, are you done trying to buy it? Yeah, you know, he, he was frustrated. And I called up Francois and I said, oh, we, we, you know, I heard about this horse. Do you think it's good? And he also thought, obviously, it was super. And uh, we bought her. I didn't know what color she was. I'd never seen her. Oh I'd never God. sat really? on her. We didn't vet her. Oh, my God. Um, and, it's one uh, of those times it works. Yeah. yeah, to be honest, that story works more often than not, to be yeah. honest. Um and, uh, yeah, she, she came and I remember the first day we jumped her, we have a picture and it was some, she was something special and, and she took about a year to develop and she actually went to the Olympic games as a nine-year-old. She was eight uh, when you got her. She was home. seven she coming was eight. Seven. And that seven was free eight. being able to look at videos on your phone. Yeah, yeah. no, there was no videos. We right. never saw the horse. Wow. And actually the way she, her name was Safari and the way she got the name Sapphire was when Erica Lee's wife was registering her, she hadn't come in the country yet. So she called Francois and he has a very strong French accent and she thought she had heard Sapphire, not Safari. <laughs> Boom, and in that time, in that time, you know, uh, the registration process was different than today and you didn't come and have the chips and, the, and everything we had and we registered her as Sapphire and she was forever Sapphire. Wow. So. I mean, you've had so many top rides. I mean, every time I turn around, you're on a top ride. The chestnut one, you rode at the, um, at the Masters. It yeah, had one Callus, time that jumped yeah, off. Yeah, oh my yeah. God, that horse is so cool. Well, we've had great support. So we've had so great support and, and been able to, to acquire, you know, a lot of fantastic talent and, and is, uh, you know that's the key to, to having a successful career. But Sapphire, does she get like the horse of the lifetime status? Yeah, you know, like, I think her and right her and Azure, you know, are, are probably pretty comparable. I mean, you know, Azure's story is still being written. Right. Um, this is she's in the barn. Yes, right? H H yeah, Azure. Well, she's not like, here right now. She's at the horse she, show. The other day, on Sunday I came when in, we saw her. Oh my yeah. god, I've never gotten so close <laughs> to such a nice horse. I yeah. wish I could ride one one day. I'm gonna touch this one. Yeah, but I mean, they're <laughs> both pretty spectacular. You know, you wouldn't want to take anything away from either one of them. You, you know, I have to say, you know, horse Rothschild, it was probably also a horse of a lifetime. And, and the story, yeah, too. the story is very poignant. Yeah. And um, because it was such a tough, that was a challenge. He was a challenge. He was a horse with an incredible amount of talent, but not easy and, and not easily recognizable, the talent. Yeah. Um, but he, he, you know, he was a warrior and uh, he actually, uh, in the end, won more than Sapphire. So, I was going to yeah. say, so consistent. Yeah. That he, was uh, you know, for sure, you know, in her moment, uh, she, she was the best, but, you know, in the end, he won more prize money than she did and, and really was, uh, against the odds horse. And, and I always find, you know, those stories sometimes are, you know, you see the most talented, gifted player, and that's what Azure is. That's what Sapphire was. When you see the underdog who, who, you that's know, the Rudy Rothschild, story, yeah. right? You know, that's, that's Rothschild. And, and sometimes that's more, 
it's not to take anything away from the others, but that's more sentimental. Yeah. And you, uh, we're going to play your acceptance speech for question of the year last year after this, and you, you, you'll hear more about that. Okay. The listeners will hear more about that. Great, yeah. great. Yeah, that was a, it was an important, important event. And, and you know, everybody wants to know, and we'll go with we'll go through them. Uh, Sapphire, your the ride you remember, the ride that was the ride. Yeah, I mean, there were many of those days. I mean, the one that I've always gone back to, I mean, the, the, the Olympics were, were and the World Championships were brilliant moments and fantastic. But, you know, uh, 2009 Masters Grand Prix in Calgary, um, for me, Hickstead and Eric and their moment were the greatest combination ever in the sport yeah. because there was never a horse uh, that could win at such a high level so often. Um, typically, when you see the horses that win at that high level, you know, they, they jump eight, 10 events a year. And, and Hickstead was a horse who went 25 times a year. Um, and so that really for me is, was the remark, most remarkable combination for, for that four or five year window. Um, and, uh, you know, the dream is always to see the best on his best day and beat them. And, and for me, that's what that, that win was. You know, Hickstead and Eric were the best I think the sport's ever seen. They went as good as they possibly can go and we were able to be better. And, uh, for me, that was very memorable. Yeah. And then, of course, Rothschild. We'll go through them. Yeah, Rothschild, uh, I think, uh, the WAG in 2014, um, uh, leading France. up, he had been a, he'd been a real journeyman kind of Grand Prix horse for me for a number of years. Had been a big winner, but didn't call on him at the biggest events. Um, and in 2014, the beginning of that year, we were faced with a situation where he was, you know, for sure the best horse we had at the moment. Um, and, you know, we made a conscious choice or I made a conscious choice that said, okay, we're going to do as well as we possibly can with the situation we have and we'll see where it is. Um, and uh, he rose to a new level that year. Um, and really was very unlucky not to be in the final four. Um, he was fifth that year. We right? ended up fifth by less than a fault. And so, uh, two of the ones in the final four had a little bit of luck on the last day. So uh, it was really unfortunate. It would have been very interesting to see the final four. I don't know how good it would have been for Rothschild, but <laughs> it would have been, would have been, uh, it would have been an exciting, an exciting <laughs> event. It would have been great for the know. fans. Yeah. <laughs> he was a quirky horse, you know, it would have been, may it, not have liked that. yeah, it might've been, it might've been a little bit, uh, a little bit of a scene, but uh, we'll never know. But he had a, you know, that was a brilliant moment for him. And I, I don't think there were two people in the world that would have bet he would have been in that position uh, that he, that he put himself in. That's so cool. That is cool. Well, we're on the WEGS. Um, obviously, that's, a, that's something you still have your eye on. And what do you think about Tryon this year? Well, I mean, we're very excited for it. Uh, you know, we have a we have a strong group of Americans vying for the team. Um, you know, Saf, uh, sorry, Sapphire, Azure, and I are, uh, I think, in the prime of of, of both of our careers. Um, we've we've got enough experience now to know what's coming. Um, so, you know, we're going to try your to, fourth leg. This would be my fourth leg. Yep. Uh, you know, and it's exciting to have it at home. You know, it was brilliant to have the World Cup Finals in Omaha at home to have the home crowd advantage. Uh, I think the facility in Tryon is first class. Um, and I'm, you know, I said the other day, uh, these events are very hard to produce. They're very hard to put on. And, you know, now multiple times the United States, you know, we all talk, everybody talks about how brilliant the show jumping is in Europe, but now multiple times the United States has stepped up and stepped in and, and been able to produce these events when, when they fall into the cracks in Europe. And, and that's something I think we should be very proud of as a, as a country and an equestrian community here. You know, and Kentucky proved that, right? Yeah. Kentucky, and now we've had several World Cup finals, Las yeah. Vegas and Omaha. And, and in situations sometimes, you know, in the 11th hour when something else fell through. So I think that's something as an equestrian community and, uh, and, and producers in this country should be, should be very proud of. Yes. So, you know, in addition to Tryon, there, we have the World Equestrian Center being built four miles from my house in Ocala, mm -hmm. right? Which, by the way, is enormous. I mean, just huge. How do you feel about all the money right now that's being put into facilities in this country? We've never seen this before to the, to the extent that we're seeing it now. No, you're absolutely correct. I mean, it, it just shows the growth in the sport. You know, we had basically three shows going on here uh, last week, mm -hmm. you know, one show with two venues and then the the uh, Palm Beach Masters and all three venues were completely full, uh, as well as a show going on in Ocala. So uh, it's less than three hours away. So, uh, you know, I think uh, our sport on every level is growing. Um, and, you know, that's a big challenge today in sports. And you see it in Europe, you know, every show has 100 in every class. Uh, and, you know, that's that's wonderful for the for the entire industry. Um, and it's only going to make the high, the, the high level uh, show jumping and, and horse sports uh, better. It's going to push people to be their very best, and it's going to allow for us and organizers to build these facilities to really highlight our sport and grow. 
And the the mission statement of the Horse Radio Network is uniting the horse world one show at a time. And I wanted to ask you about that. I think you had you had an eventer just here. You were mm-hmm. riding her horse, right? I think we have seen more crossover and more more interaction between the different disciplines than I think we ever have seen in the past. Yeah, and I, I think you you're you're absolutely correct, and I think you see that at the most at the highest levels of the sport because obviously there's a there's a mutual respect even though the discipline is different. Horsemanship is horsemanship. Horse management is horse management, and you know you have a respect between and camaraderie between the top athletes. Um, you know, obviously Marilyn was was here today. She was a show jumper originally and still competes at a high level. So so maybe that interaction is a little bit more often, um, but. You know, I think there's a respect between those communities. Yeah, I mean, you guys see the Davidsons down here, and you see yeah. them popping in here and there. And You're familiar with the Boyd people Martins. that you go to these championships yeah. with, you know? Yeah. So what um, what are you most excited about in the world of show jumping coming up? What, what still uh, keeps you going? I think, uh, well, you know, I think in, like any top athlete who's still driven, you know, I wake up in the morning and think about what we haven't won, not what we have won. And, and I think that's a... That's an underlying theme with a lot of people who, who have a long and successful career. And what are those things on your list of the haven't ones? Well, you know, individual medals at both the WEG and, and the Olympic Games uh, and knocking Grand Prix. Those are, the, those are the three things I don't have in my resume and, and plan to have in my resume. So uh, It's attainable. I mean, it's not a yeah. super long <laughs> no, list. It's not, like it's not a long time. list, and I still have time. And, uh, you <laughs> know, the health and great the continued great support. You know, I can't do it without the owners and the horses and the staff behind me. Well, you have your family now, too. We we do well, and well, and my yeah. daughter's riding yeah. a little bit already so she had a lesson today she doesn't listen very well but she had a lesson today <laughs> she's uh, actually three she's gonna be three on friday yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I don't start well no more terrible you know. twos yeah. no, no so the, she's the been terrible good threes. as you know they don't start listening till they're 12 yeah i think uh, i think i'm in trouble um but she does she likes she likes animals in general we have cows and a pig and uh what else do we have we have a donkey we have goats we have a little bit of everything. We have green Plenty acres here. Yeah, we have a lot. Well, in New York, most of the animals are in New York. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, we have a lot of animals, and she likes all the animals. And you know, she the biggest thing is that she enjoys that and the interaction with them yeah. and the riding. The riding will come. I hope she rides. I certainly would love that. But uh, it's definitely a family affair. You mentioned that in your speech from a question of the year about how how you didn't think having a child was going to change. So what? And then you said it did. So what did it change? What yeah, you know, change? I was you know I've been you know for as long as I can remember an incredibly driven you know motivated competitive uh, personality. You know, I was the guy that you know got there before everybody else and left after everybody else and. Uh, um, there wasn't there wasn't a great perspective from the point of view of of uh, the big picture you know i i the the, the important thing was being successful so, you know and uh, it still is i'm still driven i still work very hard um but it it gives you it gives you a wonderful perspective it's not that you let up any it's not that you aren't disappointed when you have a bad day or you you don't don't perform at the level you wish to um, but you, out of responsibility as a parent, you need to, to be able to curb that at times. You need to find some balance. Um, and I think when things do go well, that makes it easier when things don't go well. And when things do go well, it makes it all that more special um, because it's something now you're sharing with uh, other people and uh, other people you probably care about more than anything else. So, um, you know, it, it, it just made it all very clear. It, it changed me in a good way. It didn't take any less, <laughs> but it, but it, but it made it more clear. Yeah. Um, so one, I'm curious, what do you, what would, if you could change something about American show jumping as it is right now, whether it be development for the riders, horses, whatever, what would you change? Make it different, Um, totally different. I, I very much wish that at the junior level and at the even young rider level, so we're saying, you know, 21 and under, that there would be less emphasis on there being more prize money, more emphasis on being costs lower. Yeah. Um, because if you could broaden the base of, of, of that level rider through opening the door to, um, you know, less expensive competition fees, um, where it, it isn't how much they win. It's that, it, you know, they can go to a show for a hundred dollars. They yeah. can get the exposure. They can get that experience. There's access for more people to more competitions. Um, I think, uh, that's going to grow our base. 
Um, right now, you know, they, they have these $200,000, you know, junior amateur competitions, but 90% of people can't afford to campaign or go in them. Um, and I think that, you know, that economic model works well for horseshoe organizers, but it doesn't work well for How do you growing. change that? Though? How, what, how, well, the federation has to step in and the federation has to say, listen, there's a cap on what you can give away, or at the very least, there's a cap on what you can charge up to a $5,000 level or a $2,000 level or whatever the number is that's agreed upon that's appropriate for the prize money. If you want to give more away in prize money, it's fine, but you can't charge more uh, in the cap. Like we have in a five-star level, you know, you can only charge 500 euros to go on a five-star show. They can give any amount of prize money away they want, but that's the cap. Um, and, you know, I think that that would, in the long run, actually grow everything in the sport for the organizers and for the sport. Um, but, you know, it's a tough battle because the, the other economic model is an easier one to, to work. Yeah, I was interested on your sort of stance on that because you have had as you've said yourself, a lot of great opportunities being able to get, you know, good rides, good training and everything. And just curious, you know, how your sort of view is like to those other, those other young kids that are starting on blind ponies and doing all the <laughs> yeah, other I stuff mean, that we're all doing out there. Like how do they like, look, get there's, the there's ride? a way through, right? If yeah. you look at the top 20 riders in the world, none of them come from anything other than a middle-class background. Yeah. They have maybe opportunities like I did through other avenues in the sport and relationships and whether it be family or friends, but not one comes from anything other than middle class or less background right. financially. Which um, is interesting because a lot of people don't think that's true. A hundred percent. I mean, you can go right I down mean the most world, people yeah. don't think that's true. You most can go people. right down the world ranking list yeah. and it's all working class people. Yeah. Um, so there is a way through, you know, and it, we're in a sport where you have a very long career. So like, as you would see in race car driving where they have a lengthier career, um, uh, you see the, 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 the turnover is a little less in the, in the athletes that are doing it at the highest level. Um, but I think that we really could grow the quality, the level and the exposure to the sport by opening up to more people. You see in a, in a European model, and unfortunately they're coming a little bit our way because again, it's an easier economic model yeah. to run a business, right. you know, give more away, charge more. It actually makes more money. Um, if you charge very little but didn't give much away, you're opening uh, that base level up to many more people. Right. Yeah, so many more opportunities. So we're going to get uh, – we have some personal questions here sure. too. So we'll get to those um, in, in just a sec. If you could change something from the past. What would it be? That one thing that you could, you would change. You know, I'd love to say I, I don't have a, a life of no regrets, but that's not the case. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it doesn't even uh, have to be horses. It can be. It yeah, can be you know, uh, I think probably the thing that is probably stuck with me, or the mistakes that have stuck with me the most. Um, are, you know, how we handle certain relationships, you know, yeah. um, it's always people, isn't it? I, it I think so, you know, cause this um, is still a people business. It is. And you know, my, my horses, I have wonderful staff and these horses have had, you know, wonderful lives and some have turned out better than others. And, and some's journey has been more successful than others, but you know, there've been experiences that have been positive in just about every, every situation. Um, I, I think if I were to have regrets, you know, I, particularly when I was younger, I've handled certain personal relationships in a way that I wish I could go back but uh you know that's that's the life and we try to learn from it and not make the same mistakes again how important that uh, that leads to another question and this comes up all the time we talk to professional riders how important are those people skills and you do you recommend learning them early <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for people who don't want to learn, yeah, that. Exactly. I mean, the way you phrase it. <laughs> well, I mean, there are some, you know, you know what I'm asking. Yeah, I mean, I watch. I love. Well, there's a show I watch. Uh, I know it's about the people that live in the Arctic and the, oh, the yeah. one yeah. lady. She yeah. runs yeah. The, the the airport there, and she says, "I have to live here because I don't do well with, with regular people." people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's true. There's a lot of there's yes, a lot of trainers and hatching. other people in our business that don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, they're not going to get very far. I mean, right. we're we're at the end of the day in the you know entertainment business, right? Mm -hmm. All sports are at the end of the day. Um, and you have to be able to deal with people. You have to be able to deal with clientele. You have to deal with sponsors. If you don't have people skills, you can be the most talented rider in the world and you are never going to get the You're opportunities. There, yeah. So it is, it is not a suggestion. It is essential or else, you know, I'm not going to see you on Sunday afternoon. Um, or you're not going to have a very successful business. And I think that carries through to most things in life. Now. Yeah. I mean, you see, sure in, of anything. I, I watch in, you know, in professional sports like football, you see all the time now where they say, yeah, he's a talented player, but we're not drafting him because he's got an attitude problem. Yeah. Or he doesn't work as a team. Or you, you see that more and more often now. They just don't want to deal with it. And uh, um, I think it's the same in our sport as, as any sport or business. 
Who are the teams? Let's uh, t- a couple more questions. Mm-hmm. Um, the teams out there coming into WEG, uh, who are we looking at? Who are you looking at as the top three? Well, you know, it's it's gotten much more competitive. You know, uh, countries that weren't even on the radar 15, 16 years ago are yeah. can win a medal now and are winning yeah. medals. So uh, a lot can happen. Um, the WEG, you know, you have the, the speed leg the first day. So there's one more round, which is better for the stronger teams, to be honest. Um, when you when, it, when the team competition is just over two rounds, um, there, there's a bigger chance that a, that a, a greener team, let's say, uh, would have a chance to, to have a very good day. Um, I always go into these events believing that if we have our best day, we can win. Um, and, but saying that in Rio, I thought we had our best day and the French just had an out of body experience. So, um, and that can still happen. It's show jumping. Yeah. That's yeah. show jumping. That's sport, right? Yeah. That's why people yeah. turn on the TV. If we know right, who's sure. going to win, it's not very interesting. Right. Um, but I, I try to go in believing that if we perform to our level individually and as a collective group, that, that, that we have as good a chance as winning as anybody in the world, then I don't waste the time, you know, cutting through the rest. Thinking through the rest. All right, good. Wait, I have a question. Yeah. You've been asking all the questions. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. You're getting cut off. I, I know. Am. I'm like, I really want to know the answer. The I am looking at your board. You got mm. all these horses jumping, top horses, young horses, meter forties, thirties. Like those are all big classes, and you do this obviously week in, week out. With your experience training so many horses and trying to develop up to that top level, what is sort of your reoccurring sort of training mantra that comes back that you're like, I need to. Whatever it is, the horse yeah, takes. I, I think uh, I think we try to go, always get back to simple. Yeah. Um, I see more and more today, big bits, big spurs, fighting with the horses, um, and that's probably from a lack of education more than anything. The lack of education with the trainers, yeah. lack of education then with the students, with with horsemanship. You know, I was very lucky, and I and I see it now more than ever that. You know, my daily life was exposed to the best people. I interacted with these people like family. You know, it was some of it was formal, some of it was informal, but it was always around. Um, and, you know, I see a, as the sport has grown, that is one of the drawbacks. There's a lot of people doing it that are, quote unquote, that professionals or experts, off, yeah. but. They, they, they don't have great experience. They don't, they, they didn't grow up in the industry necessarily, or they didn't grow up in a good environment in the, in the business. Um, they did no apprenticeship and they got, you know, they oh, hung they a didn't shingle. They didn't clean the stalls. They didn't, they didn't it's do not all even, of that. It's not even, it's not part. even the, 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 those bare bones, you know, skills, you know, stable skills, because to be frank, I didn't clean a lot of stalls, right, you right, know, but- um, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> for sure the sport has evolved on what you need, but, but, you know, I had a, an experience a few weeks ago. I was doing a commentary on the George Morris Clinic, and you know, six kids were eliminated at a, at a relatively simple water jump. And I stayed afterwards because I realized when the horses stopped, the kids had no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. And every I, we trained for about fifteen minutes, and every time, every single one of the six kids, the first time they reattempted the water, the horse went right over. Um, but they need to be given those skills. They you know, don't have you, the opportunity you, for you, that. you don't know how to read if somebody doesn't teach yeah. you. Right. Uh, and what it's the same like, in our sport. Like, the, well, okay, they have like the trainer certification program and like nobody does it, you know, whatever. What about, I mean, there should be like something mandatory. But people have to do, yeah, I don't know if you can do it mandatory uh, because there comes a lot of problems with that. I mean, you're going right. to make me do it mandatory. You're going to make, yeah. you know, Although people, you've already achieved such yeah. a high level. <laughs> you but it's, you but don't it's, need it's, to go it's, back. It's a, it's a tougher system, but yeah. uh but apprenticeship, first off, people need yeah. to be, be immersed in the sport at whatever level. Be around people who do it well. Spend time, not one Florida, you know. Right. Um, you know, then, you know, years of apprenticeship. When I think of the apprenticeship that I've had direct interaction with of Paul Schockenmiller, Francois Matti, Albert Vorn, Paul Valliere, my father, plus probably another half a dozen people working with directly, that's hundreds of years of experience yeah. that I was able to soak up. Uh, you know, and now we have people who come and, you know, spend a winter in Florida and they hang a shingle in June. Uh, there's no possible, it's nothing against them, but there's no possible way they could be exposed to so many different scenarios. Yeah. And, and even saying that, I still find every year I'm learning things and, and growing and figuring out how to do things better. Um, but our biggest theme here is, is classic training. Uh, keep it simple. Don't get too, too, uh, out of the box. 
Um, we do treat the horses individuals though. Um, not every horse can fit into a mold. You see that in these big barns. Now every horse has to go a certain way and that's just not going to get the most out of a horse. Um, and, uh, yeah, you, you have to try to do what's right for the horse. Um, and what, what they tell you, I think these horses that perform at the high level, they like what they do. They like being special. They like working with us. Um, but you also have to let them tell you where they're at. So. All right, so we uh, we just have a couple of questions. We ask all of the equestrian legends, and these are more personal in nature. A favorite musician or band? I'm a I'm a pretty uh, eclectic music liker. Uh, my wife is embarrassed of some of the music I listen to. Um, but uh, and your daughter will be too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she's listening. She, she was listening to Bubble Bubble, and was giving me such a headache in the car the other day. I'm like. Like Lily, can we turn this off? No. You Wait know. till you have to go through. A, it's a small world. Sixteen yeah, times. Uh, <laughs> no, um, that was my song. I love that song. What are you talking yeah, about? <laughs> but I, I can listen to just about anything other than rap. Yeah. So. <laughs> if you had to, do, if you were forced to do something else other than horses, oh, I would uh, be a real estate developer in a heartbeat. Really? I would yeah. build homes. I enjoy that. I like it. We, my wife and I, did as a, a little bit of a side business, a, a bunch wow. of renovations here in Florida. Um, and uh, yeah, I enjoy the creative side and of that. There's still time. A, yeah. And you no, have a reality show called Building, Building Wellington. You, yeah. you do it, and everybody keeps talking about. Problem is, is I would be one of a thousand. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> that's true. Right now, you make your mark. Favorite food? Uh, simple steak and salad. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite dessert? Anything. <laughs> okay, I'm a, I have a sweet Sugar. tooth. Good answer. Yeah. And this one always comes up in our shows. Uh, your truck, Dodge, Ford, or Chevy. Uh, I made sure not to learn how to drive the truck uh, <laughs> so that I could fly to the show. Oh, good. good okay, idea. that answered that. And the final question, legacy you want to be known for? You know, that. I, that, that's not a simple answer. No, I, I, I say the hard um, You know, I, I think there's a few different things, you know. Uh, I like to, of course, be known to have done the sport very well and, and probably, you know, hope to be the winningest rider that did it in this country. Um, that's pretty obvious. Uh, I'd like it from a business point of view to have been someone who kept a very high standard, not only in the stable that we run, we run because I don't run it myself, um, and the horses we sell and the clients uh, that we teach that uh, the standards were um, always very high and, and uh, in the best interest of, of the horses and, and the people. Um, yeah, and I'd like to, to, I think for me, one of the big things is, is I, I've not been perfect. You know, I've made plenty of mistakes and will continue to make them. Um, but even though I've made those mistakes and missteps to have found the, a good way forward and have still done the sport and life very well. Um, uh, I think that that's an admirable journey. And now McLean's acceptance speech from winning U.S. Equestrians a question of the year for 2017. Good evening. I am very honored to receive this award and humbled that it is an award voted on by our entire equestrian community. I have to open with an apology to the young lady, Brooke, who sent out the nominations for this award, uh, asked for some personal information, recent accomplishments, and a bio. And I think I've been nominated for this award several times in the past and never, never won. And so I responded with my personal information, name and date. And uh, the only recent accomplishment that I could think of was finally after 17 tries, probably more than anybody, I finally won the FEI World Cup Finals. And as far as my bio, I listed that uh, most people know all the good I've done and the mistakes I've made. And if they don't, I probably shouldn't win the award anyway. Sincerely, McLean Ward. So uh, she was probably horrified to see that response. So a shout out to her and an apology. This for me is a special award on many levels. It is and should be a reflection of much more than simply being a good rider, driver, or trainer. It encompasses all that you do as a horseman, mentor, and ambassador of our sports. It is said that what you do in the arena makes you a champion, but what you do outside of the arena is what makes you a leader. I believe that's what this award is about. The skills needed and the role of a horseman today has evolved a great deal since the beginning of organized horse sports. For starters, I should probably use the term horse person, because for me, the ladies have always done this better than the gentlemen. As the world has changed, so too has our sport and our business, and we must change with it, all the while staying close to our classical roots and remaining confident through knowledge, experience, and hard work that we are the experts in our fields. Today's leaders must not only have a full understanding of the horse, stable management, 
riding, driving, and or teaching, but they also must master a great number of new skills to become proficient at their chosen sport. Our sport, like so many others, has become big business, and one must be able to market themselves, be social media savvy, and understand that being a great horse person as well as a a great business person as well as a great horse person is essential to their success. Today's top riders, drivers, and trainers must have the people skills to manage large, multifaceted operations and varied personalities. In all of this growth, we have certainly lost something. And as the world moves farther away from their connection to the horse, it is our responsibility to care for our animals and to manage and present our sport to the world in the best way possible. We must gain knowledge through learning, gain experience through apprenticeship, and hone our skills through hard work. With these tools, we must have the confidence to, the be, to be the experts of horse care and horse sports. We cannot let our sport or our business be misled internally or externally by those who lack knowledge, judgment, or integrity. My personal story is about opportunity, great support, struggles and triumphs, mistakes and second chances, and a few great horses. Being the son of two top horse professionals, I had a great opportunity from the onset. My problem was I had no talent. There was a great story that Artie Hawkins, who, who we lost a couple years ago, and was a Hall of Fame horseman and judge, used to tell uh, about the first time he judged me on ponies with Linda Andrasani. And I rode so badly that Linda, knowing my father being a, a pretty tough competitor and man, said to Artie, you know, Artie, you're dear friends with Barney, and you need to tell him not to push his son because he has no talent. Anyway, I got on horses, things got a little bit better, and, and it all worked out. And Artie loved to tell that story, and, and I miss him dearly. He was a great supporter and friend of mine, and even owned a Grand Prix horse for me, and, and will always be uh, someone I cherished. From the beginning, I was around the very best in the sport. My exposure or apprenticeship was every day from the first day. And though I did not realize in that moment, I now realize how much I absorbed and what an incredible upbringing that was. I have so many people to thank who have helped me along the way in large and small ways. Teachers, sponsors, owners, mentors, grooms, blacksmiths and vets, and a few who taught me what not to do, but lessons all the same. Veterinarians such as Dr. Bill Bradley, Gabe Cook, Rick Mitchell, James Belden, and Tim Ober. The only blacksmith I've ever had, and God willing will ever have, Mikey Boylan. Mikey's also one of my greatest fans and supporters. So many countless incredible grooms who are truly the backbone of all of our successes. Teachers such as Rosemary Free, Dana Younghair, and Albert Vaughan, just to name a few. So many countless sponsors, some like Mark Walters from Bevels, who saw something in me when I was 16 before anybody else did. Mentors such as Paul Schockmuller and George Morris, Bill Steinkraus, and countless others. I have also been blessed with wonderful owners who entrusted me with their incredible horses, who invested in me, believed in my team and I, and supported me through the triumphs and struggles all the same. Susan Heller, Beth Johnson, Jamie and Elizabeth Dynan, Debbie and Brian Sweeney, who have been behind me without fail most of my career, Tom Grossman, who without, there would have been no Beijing Olympic gold medal, and who is putting his heart and soul into breeding our future champions at Blue Chip Bloodstock. There are a few people, though, who have been game changers for me. The ones who have given so much and have asked for nothing more in return than I make them proud. I ask that you indulge me a little longer tonight, because this is their night as much as it is mine, if not more. Most today think of my father as my primary teacher. At the beginning was my mother, and for those who knew, who remember, her influence on me is still very evident today. My position on a horse, probably my greatest asset as a rider, was my mother's, and my attention to detail came from her. She instilled in me a drive for perfection that has never left my core, though some might call it OCD, <laughs> and I am forever grateful to her for the beginning she gave me. When I had just turned 18, I was asked to ride horses for Harry Gill, the owner for such greats as Rodney Jenkins, Katie Prudant, and BZ Madden before me. He was arguably the greatest American show jumper owner of all time. Let me tell you, that was a great boost of confidence for a little kid. I rode for Harry for a decade, 
and we had some great horses together, such as Tristu Valon, Victor, and Amity. Harry was also the first owner of Sapphire, and our parting was the greatest regret of my career. As I have said, I have made my share of mistakes. I will forever be grateful to him for giving me a chance so early on, for seeing something in me I had not yet seen in myself. I am sure, to some extent, luck and timing play a role, but I also am sure we create opportunity and relationships are the key to our success. Thanks to my relationship with Missy Clark, I was introduced to one Hunter Harrison, and the rest is history. In my less humble moments, I'd like to believe together we created a model for what the modern-day owner-rider relationship should be. But to be honest, he simply did all he could to help me reach my potentials and the goals I dreamed of. It was not always an easy road. We had our challenges. But like something that was meant to be, we found our way back to each other, and we are still writing the final chapter of our story. As most of you know, we lost Hunter last month, and this was not only a great loss for those of us close to him, but for our entire community as a whole. He was a man who could change and improve anything he touched, and that included me. In his final words to me, in true Hunter fashion, he told me to get the wig. In that moment, I knew that he knew I was there with him, and that he would be with me over every jump for the rest of my career. It is rare today to see people who stay in one job or position for an entire career, let alone in the horsecape. But I have two people behind me who have done just that. Lee and Erica McKeever will have run my family's operations for 30 years this coming April. You realize I'm only 42. You can do the math. They were with me when I rode ponies, very badly. Lee and I were on the road together when I was only 14, and they saw me through my equitation years. They traveled to Europe with me early on when we lost every class, and they were by my side when we started to win Grand Prix. They stuck by my family through the darkest times in our lives, and they stood proud as the national anthem played on the Olympic podium. They are my greatest professional assets. They are my most brutally honest critics, and they are my most devoted supporters. They are everything to me, and they are my family. They both have forgotten more about horses than I will ever know, and if you ask anybody around the world about Lee and Erica, they will certainly tell you without hesitation they are the true recipients of this award. As my father used to say, I am only the cover of the book. It is these people who are the words on his pages. Then there is my wife Lauren and my daughter Lily, who have made so much of this journey make sense. Many people said having a child would change you, and at the time I didn't believe them, but it has. It has made my motivation to be better in every way very clear. It is simple for me now. Will my actions and my performances make them proud or not? It is one or the other. My wife Lauren is truly my rock. She is the standard that we try to live by, and I rarely add up. There are three other men who have influenced my life taught me the most, and have given me the tools and opportunities to be able to stand here before you tonight. François Matisse was the 1976 individual and team gold medalist at the Montreal Olympics in show jumping for Belgium. He met my father in 1979 on a joint trip to Johannesburg, South Africa, and they formed a relationship and a dealing operation. No one could have predicted then what this relationship would become or the story it would tell. Francois was responsible for finding horses for me, such as Orchestra, Twistu Valon, Victor, Sapphire, Rothschild, countless others, and he is also the half-owner of H.H. Azure. He has taught me about horses, our sport, and about business. But more than that, he has taught me about life. I would say more than anyone, he has been the greatest influence on who I am as a man and how I try to live my life. He is a father figure, a mentor, a business partner, and friend. He is simply the single greatest influence in my life. I am forever grateful to him, and I love him very much, not only for what he has been to me personally, but for how he has helped make my career. It would probably be easier not to talk about the other two in this forum tonight, but then the words I have spoken would be hollow and not be honest enough to be worthy of this honor. Paul Valliere was my teacher for over 10 years during my junior career and is the reason I am the rider I am today. The skills and knowledge that he has given to me have made it possible for me to achieve my dreams. Paul was and is a genius teacher, and I owe him a great debt of gratitude for the thousands of hours spent 
helping me reach my potential. And finally, tonight, none of this would be possible, none of these relationships would have been had, and none of this story would have been written if it were not for my father. I'm not here tonight to rehash the past, justify actions, or defend what was done. Both of these men made grave errors and they are for, that were forever regretted. But those errors do not erase the good that these men also did. My father made all of my successes possible through his hard work, his teachings, his guidance, and his experience. In a time when blue-collar horse professionals in the USCT were quite adversarial groups, and most of his con contemporaries resented the idea of riding for the team, he saw that the way forward for his son was the USCT, the Olympic movement, and he never allowed his own frustrations to darken that dream for me. My father gave me every opportunity to be my best. He gave me the education to make good choices, and he allowed me to build off his, of his experiences, good or bad. My successes are because of him and his vision and sacrifice. It is always a difficult topic, but I am forever grateful to my father for what he did for me, for the relationship we had. Without the horse, none of this would be possible. We owe them our lives. They give us so much, and they ask for only basic kindness in return. I believe horses and humans have a connection that draws us to each other. I believe in their own way they know we need them, and they are pleased to be our partner, whether it be in work or sport. We need to remember never to take this privilege of working and living with horses for granted. To never lose our appreciation for what they have given us throughout the history of time, and to be sure that their relevance in our society does not fade away. This is our greatest responsibility as equestrians. Thank you this evening for this great honor. I hope that it's a reflection of a career well done, though not perfect. We strive to be the best we can be, and I hope it sets the tone for the future. Thank you again. So we hope you enjoyed McLean, our chat with McLean. He was certainly gracious enough to do that, and we really appreciate his time. He had just gotten done running like 12 horses, I think. So. 12? I saw 15 on the oh, board really? tomorrow. 15? I know. I was like, wow, you're showing all of those? Oh, yeah, yeah. But you yeah. know he's flatting, and all these other ones don't count. So right. is that like 25? <laughs> you know? I'm not a mathematician, but it's a lot. But, yeah, that was very generous of him to offer his time and his farm. And hope you guys enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it. The yeah, whole thing, it was right? fun. Good information and fun. really getting his his sort of insight into some different topics. Very cool. How about uh, as a question, what's new? As Equestrian is plugging along, we're doing huge volume now on the custom orders. We've got a bunch of new IHSA teams I'll post on Facebook. We've got the new liners that came in in this last shipment. So you guys, now we are building our new production for custom orders. It's a five-piece minimum, and those should be ready for turnaround in the next few months. So get your order in now to sequestrianco.com. Very good. Sequestrianco.com. We'll be back here tomorrow morning on Horses in the Morning. On Wednesday, uh, Debbie Lauks, host of the Horsemanship Radio Show, will be filling in for me with Jamie, and Jennifer will be there. Jimmy and I are heading up to PodFest tomorrow, so I have a keynote speech to give in front of a thousand people, which is a little nerve-wracking a little it. bit. It's, it's just little like little one person, remember? I they haven't both practiced have one. it all yet. Uh, i got to do that yet, so I have, I have some work to do tomorrow. Wing it, man. Wing <laughs> it. You can do this. And then uh, there'll be a show. Mary Kitzmiller will be here on Thursday with Jennifer. And then Friday, of course, there's really bad ads. Get, get them into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. And Friday uh, will be hosted by Lisa and Jamie will be there. So I hope you enjoy that. And don't forget that next week we're going to have shows for you all week, but we will not be live next week because we'll be on the Horse Lovers Cruise. Oh, lucky, lucky, lucky. We'll send pictures. We'll post pictures Margarita of pictures. us by the beach with yes. our <laughs> strawberry daiquiris. Exactly. <laughs> Can't Thank wait. you, Emily. That was fun. Yeah. Until next time. Happy jumping. Yes. <laughs>